Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Okay. Hi, my name is Andres. I'm from Australia. Yeah. Do you have the date of your departure? Uh, yes. Um, I departed Mexico on... Um, Where from Mexico? Uh, La Paz. Oh, my goodness. They were found more than 1,200 miles from land. The 54-year-old says he survived by fishing for tuna, drinking rainwater, and, of course, the companionship of his dog, Bella. They were missing for nearly three months. That's amazing. I'm Nicole Burley. Thank you so much for watching News Nation. Now let's give you a quick look at our primetime lineup. But first, the biggest headlines out of our nation's capital. The Hill starts right now. All right, here we go. And you're taking a live look right now at the House Oversight Committee. Four hours and counting at this point. Two IRS whistleblowers testifying before Congress with several explosive claims. They say the Justice Department interfered with a tax investigation into President Biden's son, Hunter Biden. Appeared to me, based on what I experienced, that the U.S. attorney in Delaware in our investigation was constantly hamstrung, limited, and marginalized by DOJ officials, as well as other U.S. attorneys. I still think that a special counsel is necessary for this investigation. The identity of one of those whistleblowers who you just heard from right there, formally revealed today, and he says he's a Democrat. Hello and welcome to The Hill here on News Nation once again. I'm Blake Berman, joined today by... Morgan Ortegas. Hi. Hello, hello. Good to be back yeah, with you, my good, friend. Yeah, good to have you in. It's uh, a spicy day on the Hill. It is. Four hours and counting, and probably like another hour or so. Um, Just tune into News Nation. We'll keep you informed. <laughs> you do not have to watch this live on Twitter. So this is something that House Republicans have been waiting for for a while. I think so, and, and really they came out with very credible witnesses. Um, it, it's hard to attack these people, uh, especially Joseph Ziegler, who we're going to talk about, um, who is a career IRS investigator, and as you said, as pointed out, he's a Democrat. This is not a Republican with a vendetta. All right, well, we have a great panel tonight. Joining us, Bob Cusack, editor-in-chief of The Hill, Mark Short, former chief of staff to Vice President Mike Pence, and Johanna Mosca, former Obama official and News Nation contributor. Hello to you all. I'll get your thoughts in a second, but first tonight, let's head to Capitol Hill. Uh, you're taking a live look at pictures right now of the IRS whistleblowers testifying before the House Oversight Committee. Here we go, Congressman Byron Donalds, Republican of Florida. Uh, they are testifying about alleged interference in the IRS tax investigation into Hunter Biden. News Nation's Joe Khalil has been watching from the very beginning and joins us live from the Hill. Joe? 
Yeah, hey, Blake. So today, this is really was a chance for Republicans who've been making some of these claims to put some meat on those bones with these two whistleblowers. It's interesting. They both claim they are in the room. They have firsthand accounts of, in their view, the Department of Justice being more heavy-handed, interfering with the prosecution of Hunter Biden, they say, by slow-walking the case, by interfering in a number of different ways. They even say that they felt there was enough evidence there to move forward with felony charges and they say they weren't the only ones in those rooms who felt that way. Nonetheless, clearly that is not what happened. So you had Gary Shapley, this IRS agent who we've heard from before, and then you mentioned Joseph Ziegler. This is the first time that we're hearing from him. He was uh, a mystery. His identity was until the beginning of the hearing. And again, both say that uh, Hunter Biden, they felt, was getting special treatment, and they claim that David Weiss, the U.S. attorney in charge of this case, wasn't really the one only ultimately making the big decisions. The Justice Department allowed the President's political appointees to weigh in on whether to charge the President's son. After United States Attorney for D.C. Matthew Graves, appointed by President Biden, refused to bring charges in March 2022, I watched United States Attorney Weiss tell a room full of senior FBI and IRS senior leaders on October 7, 2022, that he was not the deciding person on whether charges were filed. That was my red line. Now, Democrats and the White House are quick to point out, number one, that David Weiss is a Trump appointee, not a Biden appointee. And they're also quick to point out that while these whistleblowers say David Weiss's hands were tied, the one person who pushes back against that narrative is David Weiss himself. He says he had full free reign to make all the decisions in this case that he needed to make. Talk to Democrats at the White House and uh, those on the committee. They say a lot goes into charging decisions. It's not just do you have enough evidence? And they think that some of these whistleblower claims might be taken out of context here. I can understand why the general public would be concerned, but as someone who literally has had people drop aggravated robbery charges, capital murder charges, things like that, ultimately it's about can I put this case together, can I try it, and can I get a conviction? And Blake, Jamie Raskin today, a ranking member, top Democrat on the committee, said you're going to see and hear a lot. What you will not see is any ties to Joe Biden in terms of any wrongdoing during this hearing. Blake. Yeah. And of course, that's a big sticking point for Democrats there up on the Hill. Joe Khalil, live on Capitol Hill. Joe, thank you. All right. Let's bring it into our panel to break it down on this report. Bob, what's the significance? And also, I'm curious, what's the historical precedence for this before for these types of IRS whistleblowers? Well, it's, I think this is pretty significant. I mean, you have two whistleblowers. Shapley's been out in the public. They're on the record. They're testifying. The new whistleblower says he's a Democrat. And whether Joe Biden is involved or not, uh, the fact that Weiss is saying his hands weren't tied, well, what do other people? Who are, you know? So I think we're headed down the path where we saw John Durham. We could be investigating the investigators hmm. yet again. But Democrats just completely dismissing this. I think they're... They're spinning. Well, Joe, and I got to take it to you as the Democrat <laughs> operative on the panel. Um, probably not your favorite subject to talk about, but what about Bob, what Bob is saying? I am always happy to talk about Hunter Biden, but I think the American people are tired, tiring of this. Look, Hunter did 
terrible things, and that has been outlined over and over and over. There is no evidence that the Republicans can get that Joe Biden did those terrible things. And instead, Jamie Raskin rightly pointed out this weird stuff that's going on. The original star witness has now fled the country, an arms trafficker, ties to China. It's super bizarre. We've got the two who testified completely legitimate, but like they all have pointed out, there are a lot of people not being charged. You say that. A lot of people not being charged for very similar crimes. And that was their point. If we want to have the IRS have enough teeth to go after all of these people, then get us the agents that we can do. You and say further, that, he, hold on, but, but you say he did terrible things. Does it matter to you if he did illegal? If he things? did illegal things, he should absolutely be charged, period. The point is, did he not get charged because he was tied to Joe Biden or did they not no, have the get, evidence? Let's get and the Republicans in. haven't yeah. been able to bring in the evidence and instead leaked that he was not only a Democrat, but a gay Democrat married to a man, which I thought was really unfortunate political politicization of this. Let me, let me help Joe <laughs> I'll, I'll help tie it to Joe Biden for it. It was just last year the Biden administration asked taxpayers in America to pay $80 billion because they said we can't go after everybody who's not paying their taxes. That's and still yet the case. It appears, well, it appears the Biden administration is telling them not to go no. after people who are not paying their taxes. That's- Number one, even though they asked us to pay $80 billion. And I still think the biggest challenge for Hunter Biden, you know, is, is candidly not the deadbeat dad issues. It's the reality that tying to, to Joe Biden, the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars he got paid to be an advisor for Burisma in China when his only expertise was his relationship to his dad, Joe Biden, for whom, when he was vice yeah. president of the United States, his priority in portfolio and foreign policy was Ukraine. Which is but, incredibly but isn't it Isn't it fair game when the president, as vice president, when he brought his son on trips, as mm-hmm. president, when he yeah. has his son, uh, who's who is pleading guilty to these misdemeanors and has you know other investigations which we believe are ongoing? When he brings him to the state dinner, when he brings him on Marine One, isn't he making his his son fair game? I am one hundred percent for ethics laws to prevent the children of any president from doing these things. But right now we've got a former president whose children also took (laughs) significant amounts of money from the Saudis for their investment funds, also had all the privileges of the office. And I think that Unfortunately, this has been problems in Republicans and Democratic administrations. I can say the one I worked for, Sasha and Malia, weren't taking any money. Uh, Maybe maybe for chores. Uh, But you talk about the former president. There is a much different legal matter, and it is on the other side of the political aisle right now. The former president, Donald Trump, says he received a notice from the Department of Justice that he is the target of a grand jury investigation into efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. And that means an indictment could very well be coming here in the near future. Joining us is Congressman Barry Moore, a Republican from Alabama who has endorsed Trump's reelection bid. Congressman, thanks for joining us uh, here on the Hill on News Nation. January 6th, and what happened in that building that you're standing in right now? Should Donald Trump be held responsible for what happened on that day in that building? Absolutely not. He, he said to peacefully go down and make your, your will known to, to, the, to the Congress and to the American people. And so I don't think Trump should be held accountable. I think this is, again, weaponization against the number one political opponent of Joe Biden by the DOJ, the FBI. We know time and time again from Christopher Wray's testimony in the judiciary that the government itself is being weaponized against political opponents unless their last name is Biden, of course. So, so you're totally comfortable with Donald Trump's actions on January 6th. He did everything right. 
totally comfortable with Donald Trump's actions. I, I tell you this, it's not about Donald Trump at this point. It's about the American people, the voice. And when I'm in the district, people want to have an opportunity to speak up. Something about the left in this country and the progressives, they are terrified of Donald Trump. And for some reason, the man gets 74 million votes and somehow he's the villain. I mean, it impeached twice. I mean, we heard today in committee, they're talking about all these charges against Donald Trump, how he's been indicted, and yet nothing against the Bidens, the laptop case with the FBI. Kodak Black went to prison for five years for cocaine and arms. Biden gets a free walk. Hunter Biden gets a free walk. And today now we know the IRS is given a pass. So if it's weaponization of the ATF, you know, Con- the IRS, Con- or the FBI, then Biden's your guy. Congressman uh, Mitch McConnell, top Republican in the Senate, was just asked about this uh, a little while ago, and he did not comment on it. Said he didn't want to get involved in the political fray, of course, because Donald Trump is a candidate for office. Do you commend Mitch McConnell for for staying out of the fray here, or do you think it's weakness for him not to well, not to comment? I find it, I, I find it interesting that McConnell stayed out of it, but I sure wish the Bidens would. I wish we could let the campaigns run their races, let the candidates get out in front of the American people instead of trying to keep them indicted and arraigned for the entire political process so the American people don't even have a choice in the matter. And that's what's going on. McConnell can stay out if he wants, but the American people are going to engage, and I think they're going to find it very interesting come November. So here's Matt Gates, one of your colleagues, uh, Republican. He did a, you know, he's got a podcast. And uh, he wants to defund Jack Smith's special counsel. Here's what he said, quote, The House of Representatives needs to take action to defund the special counsel's investigation immediately. The congressman goes on to say they are ta- attacking our democracy and engaging in election interference right now. Is that legislation that you would support? Defunding a special counsel Absolutely. investigation. Well, yeah, absolutely, because we know it's all a politics. We've known from the get-go this was about politics. And now looking back, when we heard but about isn't that the problem, right? Because eventually, but, but isn't that the problem? Because eventually Democrats would be able to do the same thing on something you might find important. Well, the Democrats are doing that very thing right now. It's called an election, and they're interfering all the way across the board from, from Russian collusion till today and the arraignment that Donald Trump's going to have to go through in the next couple of days because of this Jack Smith investigation right right up before an election. And then they raid Trump's home 90 days before the last election in, in the midterm. So this is about politicization of the, the FBI, the IRS, the ATF, and all the above. And the American people see it for what it is. And I think, you, again, like I said, I think it's going, to, it's going to backfire on the Democrats. People are waking up and they're red-pilling, and I'm glad to see it. All right, Congressman uh, Barry Moore, Republican Alabama, thanks for joining us here on the Hill. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, Blake. Let's get the panel in. Mark, I have to go to you because you were in the Capitol yeah, on that, January 6th. <laughs> uh, you have firsthand knowledge of this more than the rest of us did. Do you agree with the Congressman's assessment? Well, I think there's a difference as to whether or not there's something criminal Donald Trump did versus, I'd suggest, something that was a dereliction of duty and incredibly irresponsible. And I think that the congressman is probably disingenuous in trying to exonerate the president on that count. And I don't think it was just about January 6th. I think it was weeks leading up to that in which his campaign lawyers themselves told him they could not find evidence of fraud that would have changed the result of multiple Trump-appointed judges turning down the cases of his own White House lawyers saying the vice president has no other authority on this day, in which I think the president knew the realities of the situation, yet still encouraged people to go demonstrate at the Capitol. Um, and it's certainly during the actual riots that were occurring, in which there was 150 police officers that were injured, 
the reality is that he stood by and did nothing. And it was actually Vice President Pence who was on the phone with the Pentagon asking them to send support to help clear the Capitol. So there's no doubt that there is enormous dereliction of duty on that day. Whether or not that crosses the threshold of something criminal, I'm not a lawyer and leave it to others. You're you're not a lawyer, but you were there and you were by the vice president's side. And when you hear a a member of your own party say Donald Trump did, everything right that day. How do you feel? Well, certainly I I think he's playing to his constituents because I think a lot of Republicans are tired talking about they want to move on. But I don't think it's a very sincere answer. I think the reality is that when the Secret Service tried three times to evacuate the vice president from his location and then tried to get him out of the Capitol because of the violence and the threat to his life, it's hard to suggest that everything was kosher that day. And I think that the people who put on that spin know better. You know, one of the things, Bob, that we also just talked about is the Matt Gates. you know, putting forth um, the, the bill. I don't think that this is actually going anywhere, no. but um, <laughs> it's typical for him. Uh, so but but what's the point? What is he trying? Is it just media attention or is he actually trying to rally Republicans to this? Well, I mean, Matt Gates likes media attention. That, that's 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 certain. But at the same time, this was not January 6th was not a minor incident. And as time goes by, we need to remember that we had a handful of reporters up there. If you talk to any of the police officers officers or capital uh, police officers who were up there that day, and I've talked to a couple of them, this was a dangerous and scary time. And we are fortunate that more people uh, did not die. And certainly the vice president was in major danger. Joanna, quickly, I, I assume that this is something that Democrats will campaign on in 24 as they did in 22. I don't think anyone should be talking about campaigning on this. This is January 6th. This was an attack on the Capitol. You know, I sat down with Asa Hutchinson for 30 minutes yesterday, and he is on the right side of history on this, and that will bear out. Like, when the history books record Donald Trump's weird, very long statement versus him talking about it's a sad day in America when we're accusing our institutions of being weaponized, we are part of the problem. And he is right. And we all have to call out our parties for that. And when we're talking about, you know, oh, we need to have all of the investigations on any criminal wrongdoing that we can't tie to Joe Biden, but we're not willing to look at inciting a riot at our Capitol that endangered Americans and all of our leadership. That's like, it's, it doesn't sit well with the American people. Nobody has to campaign on it. That's why people are leaving this segment of the Republican Party. But you well, know, if it is... Yeah. A Donald Trump versus Joe Biden race, it will make its way into the campaign well, some, some way, some form. President Biden gave a speech in front of those red lights uh, in the 22 cycle, and he very much made it a centerpiece yeah. of the Democratic Party's campaign. So maybe they shouldn't, but they did very much so in 22. So that's the left. That's the right. What about a potential third party option in the presidential race? A group with some big money backing and talks about how it could become a potential spoiler. So what's no labels trying to accomplish here? What are they up to? We'll ask the group's co-founder, plus the president of Israel speaking before the Congress today, and he addressed recent criticisms from House progressives. That and much more coming up here on The Hill on News Nation. Welcome back to The Hill on News Nation. The centrist group No Labels has been flirting with a third-party presidential run for several months now, with Senator Joe Manchin floated as a top choice. But many Democrats, Manchin's party, fear this would only help Donald Trump get reelected should he be the Republican nominee. No Labels founding chair Joe Lieberman responded to those claims on Monday. 
we've been very explicit and we're, uh, just watch us. Uh, if the polling next year shows after the two parties have chosen their nominees that in fact we, we will help elect one or another candidate, we're not going to get involved. Joining us now is the co-founder of No Labels, Dave Walker. Dave, thanks for being here on the Hill on News Nation. Appreciate it. Um, what's the end goal here, for the Dave? Yeah, you got it. What's the end goal? Look, we first, we're not a political party. We're a political movement. And the American people are very upset. 70% don't want Joe Biden. 60% don't want Donald Trump. 78% of Americans believe that the future for our kids and grandkids will not be as good as today. That's unacceptable. It's un-American. What we're doing is gaining ballot access for a third option that we will only offer if the, the data shows next spring that there is a pathway to victory in the Electoral College. And if it turns out that after next spring, it shows that there's not a pathway to victory as late as the summertime, we can pull that ballot access. But right now, the data shows a unity third option dedicated to a issue-oriented and results-oriented agenda, such as the common sense agenda. But that sounds like win. a political party, does and it not, Dave? Like organizing, trying before. to get ballot access, making a decision in 2024 about your future. I know you say you're a movement, but at the end of the day, if you go forward, sure. you run a candidate, and it's a political party, is it not? Important, no, because political parties are designed to try to run candidates at multiple levels. We're only focused on a possible third option for president and vice president in 2024. Uh, and that's all we're focused on. Uh, and we're focused on trying to get the parties to be able to start focusing on the issues that the American people count, uh, care about. There are 30 issues in this booklet, the Common Sense Agenda, which you can find on nolabels.org, that are based on what the American people are concerned about, that the parties aren't dealing with, with sensible solutions about how to deal with them. And we're hopeful that whether we run a third option or not, and by the way, it won't be ours, it won't be the no labels ticket, they'll just have our line, that we're hopeful that whether we run that option or offer that line or not, that the major parties will start focusing on the issues that the American people care about because they're sure not doing it now. Hey, Dave, this is Morgan. So you have the Democrats heaping mad at you guys because they're saying this is just an effort that's going to elect Donald Trump or help elect him. Uh, but you also have a pretty prominent senator, Joe Manchin, that is reportedly considering being on your ticket. Can you talk about that? Can you tell us who might be on the ticket? And how do you respond to those Democratic charges? Well, first, we haven't even determined what the process will be yet to select a potential ticket to offer our ballot line to. The reason that Senator Manchin and Governor Huntsman were there in New Hampshire on Monday is because they're two of our three original co-chairs for No Labels. They've been involved with No Labels since the beginning, along with Senator Lieberman. Uh, and so that's why they're there. Clearly, they're two very capable people. They're people that ought to be considered. But unlike in, in 2012, when Americans-elect try to do something similar, and they didn't have anybody step forward, there's lots of people that are willing to run on the third option this time because we have conditions that have never existed before in the history of this country. D Dave, I just, I, Dave, I just want to clear something up real quick. If it's a year from now or 11 months, 10 months from now, and you have ballot access, but it shows that putting a candidate forward, whoever they might be, 
helps Joe Biden or helps Donald Trump, and it were to tip the election one way or another, what would you do? Here's the key. Before we offer our ballot line to a ticket, we have to be convinced that there's a pathway to victory for that ticket in the Electoral College. And if there's not a pathway to victory, we won't offer it at all. And if later on, as late as the summer, uh, it looks like that there's not a pathway to victory at roads or whatever, then we'll pull it. So we're in it to win it. All right. Well, thank you, Dave Walker. We appreciate you explaining your perspective. Got to turn it back now uh, to our amazing panel. Um, Bob, we won't let you go first on the, this one. That was that was interesting to me. I thought he somewhat made news at the end or, or at least clarified it in a way that I haven't heard yet in the interviews, which is they want to actually win at the Electoral College. This is not a spoiler event where they're not running anybody. That's what I heard. Right. And, and it's going to be difficult. I mean, listen, if you bet against third parties in the past and presidential, you always win, right? Yeah because they never win. This cycle, if any cycle, could be different. So even though I know they're getting killed on both the left and the right, I think I know a lot of people who would love another choice other than Joe Biden, Donald yeah. Trump, that's for sure. At the same time, they're going to run into some major logistical problems here. They don't know the process. They don't know who the nominees are. And you're going to have to have name, good name ID because by spring is not that far off. You're going to have to decide, are we going to fish or cut bait? Yeah. going to be trouble. Short That's was laughing the, the whole interview. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't see uh, how this does anything other than help Donald Trump if he's the nominee. Because the reality is that's where the energy is. So when Donald Trump gets 75 million votes and Joe Biden gets 81, 82 million votes, the vast majority of the Biden votes are people coming out to vote against Donald Trump. So if you're splitting the anti-Trump vote, you're helping Trump. Now, that's assuming he nominee. If he's not the nominee, then it's a whole different equation. But to discussion, yeah, I think there's a, it's obvious all the polling says that voters want another choice than Trump or Biden. But it's the, the challenge is that the, the energy for Trump is so pro and so negative, it's so polarizing that if you provide an alternative, all you're going to be doing is helping Trump because you're splitting the anti-Trump vote. I did, I did a whole podcast uh, on this particular no labels event and everything they did. And my biggest problem is leadership is not following the polls. And they kept telling me, to Mark's point, oh, we're going to, you know, figure out if by Super Tuesday we're polling, you know, ahead or behind the candidate. And mind you, when we ran against Hillary, it wasn't over till May. We didn't know that we had the majority of delegates until May. So, you know, the Super Tuesday, Super Magic 8 ball that they're looking into and shaking, it's like, what what are you looking at? And then they don't know if they get ballot access until they have a nominee in some cases. They're saying they're going to have citizen input. It was very confusing. And I agree with the majority that people want a different option. So run different options in the Democratic and primary uh, campaigns. And I got to tell you, it's very unlikely on the Democratic side. So Republicans, have yourself a you know nominating <laughs> process. <laughs> you want it to go as long as possible. Well, no, you? it's well, actually, uh, it was stronger for us for the general election to go until May well, than it would have been otherwise. One of those candidates, Ron DeSantis, facing questions, a lot of them. He's shedding campaign staff, staying stagnant in the polls as well. So what might his next move be? One of his top supporters in Congress is coming right up after the break. You're listening to The Hill on News Nation. To find News Nation on your screen, go to joinnn.com. 
Welcome back to The Hill on News Nation. I am Morgan Ortegas. And I'm Blake Berman. New polling from the University of New Hampshire showing a tightening race in the crowded Republican primary field. The former president, Donald Trump, still holding a strong lead in New Hampshire, polling at 37 percent. But his support is down five points from the last poll that was taken in April. The Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, behind by 14. The other GOP hopefuls polling right now in single digits. And joining us now to discuss is Georgia Republican Congressman Rich McCormick. Hello, sir. How are you? Good. How are you? Congressman. Good, good, good. Good to have you. So you have taken a big risk as a freshman uh, member of Congress and you have endorsed Governor DeSantis uh, for president. He has had some tough headlines over the past two months. He's had to uh, fire a dozen uh, campaign members. He's going through campaign cash. How do you explain sort of these missteps recently and, and but broader explain your decision to endorse him? Yeah, well, first of all, when you run for president, it's a whole new game. It's not like running for anything else in the world. You're running to be the most powerful person in the world. Uh, there's a learning curve that anybody who's ever been in politics understands. Uh, the reason I chose Governor Ron DeSantis is because he has actually been tried and true. He is, uh, he's probably the biggest threat to, to uh, the president, the former president. And you can see where all the money is being spent against him. That's part of the problem. Uh, he's got to sort out his staff. We've all been through that as well. Uh, but if you look at his policies, if you look at what he's trying to accomplish, if you look at what he's done as governor of Florida and the things he's taken on in the narrow victory he had in his first election and then a victory by almost 20 points in the second election, you see that he can actually increase his popularity while at the simultaneously accomplishing an agenda that is absolutely conservative. Now, most of the members of Congress so far have gone for President Trump. Do you think more of your colleagues are going to be joining you soon uh, with uh, the governor still behind in New Hampshire? But it's, he's made up some ground. Well, I'd love to think I'm absolutely important, but quite frankly, endorsements don't matter nearly as much as the candidate does. I think the debate, the performance will really start to sort people out. I think when people start paying attention to this race a little bit more, you'll see a big shift in the polls. I think right now the people who answer uh, these polls are the uber locked in people who've already kind of chosen their favorites and they may move over time but once the american public actually starts paying attention after christmas most likely then you'll actually see some meaningful movement i think that's what you're gonna have to pay attention to now our viewers may not know but you have a strong military background you were a marine corps helicopter pilot you were also in the navy smart man go navy um <laughs> uh, the governor desantis he actually released his military plan yesterday very much prioritizing lethality and readiness for the military. We know that we have a recruiting crisis in this country. We are not meeting our military goals. How is Governor DeSantis going to fix that? Well, I have two sons that were going to go into the Marine Corps before all this woke stuff started happening. The fact that they've limited advertising on conservative networks, the fact that they've gone to a woke ideology, which actually divides people instead of uniting them, the fact that they're training to try to figure out how to make everything equal rather than how to win a war is absolutely catastrophic. Somebody who knows the military, somebody who's been there, done that, somebody like the governor needs to be in charge. I mean, I think one of the most egregious things about a lot of presidents is they don't even go through the learning curve of understanding what's important to the military. They don't understand how to win a war. They don't understand what's important to the military in accomplishing their mission. Ron DeSantis does. And that's really important to me as a military veteran for over 20 years who served both with the Navy and the Marine Corps and actually spent some time with Army units as well. 
Uh, well, God bless you for being in an Army unit. Congressman, um, listen, I, I, one of the things that we have heard over and over again, Congressman, is the number of parents and grandparents who don't want their children to join the military. Uh, that's something I know you can speak to, and, and maybe your sons will give the Marine Corps another chance. Well, I think if they can get rid of this ideology where it's not about patriotism and service and mission accomplishment and get away from this idea that uh, we look different, we sound different, we're from different backgrounds and it divides us, that's always been our strength. The fact that we used to play to that, the fact that that actually gets disregarded when we're all shades of green, we all bleed red, and that we're really just trying to accomplish something, mainly stay alive, where we put an end to bad people simultaneously, that's always been the uniting effort. And when... Uh, the most conservative us, the people who are most likely to serve in the military, get distracted from that, and you start trying to attract people who will not be able to accomplish a mission because they're right. truly not qualified, because they're not fit enough, or they're 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 overly politically motivated, or they're doing trans, some transgender. Uh, <laughs> transition, yeah. they're not going to be able to serve. We don't even accept people in the military with flat feet. Let's think about this. Let's make this a truly mission accomplished orientation. Well, thank you so much, Congressman, for explaining your decision to endorse Ron DeSantis. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, one candidate closing the gap on his Republican opponents is Vivek Ramaswamy. His progress has become a surprise to many, and we spoke with him yesterday. He made this bold comparison right here. Watch. I will not only be the Republican nominee, I will be our next president and lead a national revival like, like Reagan did in 1980. I think I'm the next Ronald Reagan. I think that what we actually need is eight years to lead a national revival. And if Ronald Reagan were alive and well today, I would not be in this race. I would find other ways of having a positive impact on this country. But he is not. Mark, um, you've got Vivek Ramaswamy closing in on the guy you're supporting and some polls ahead of. And then he tells us, quote, I think I'm the next Ronald Reagan. You make what? I agree with what the congressman just said. I think that right now there's a lot of people who are probably responding to this based on what they see on social media. Once you get to actual debate stage, I think it actually can, can uh, delineate between the candidacies and actually who's a serious candidate and who's not. And if he ever actually moved up in the polls and the media then would focus on it, you'd show how disingenuous he's been. Relative I was about to, to say, his, I think you've got some issues with him. Well, I mean, basically where he was just a couple of years ago with basically what he's saying now on the campaign trail. So th that'll take care of itself. I don't think anybody should be worried about the Vex candidacy. Well, and Ronald Reagan started in state politics, not just trying to emerge on the national scene, even though he'd been an actor. Well, and <laughs> we've been very successful running the Actors Guild. So, I mean, yeah. I think for, for Reagan, you know, he uh, was, what, 69 when he was elected president? Joanna, so I think we seem to have this epidemic of, like, 38 to 40-year-old men who thinks they are God's gift to politics in both parties. <laughs> it's I know. amazing. I, what, if, what if we just, Joanna, I think you're the Messiah. <laughs> <laughs> This is what I'm saying, Morgan. It's all of the women. It's interesting because you get in the political sphere and sometimes you're turned off by it and you back away. And these men keep throwing themselves into it. But I, I, the Vivek stuff, I just I don't see it because you're right. He's saying that you need to raise the voting age. He's saying he's going to get rid of the FBI. I mean, he literally said that to Blake yesterday. He's just he's throwing crazy stuff. He said he was going to give part of Ukraine to Vladimir Putin. I mean, well, that. I will tell you this. He is working hard, Blake. I'll give him He's that. Everywhere. There is not a media interview that he won't do at any hour of the day you, or night. I'll tell you what. Mark, Bob, and I just went, just sat back in our chairs. <laughs> 
You two take <laughs> it. Morgan, Johanna. I'm, I'm long past the age demographic they're talking about. I'm, so, I'm yeah. right in the machine. She said 38 yeah, to 40. Yeah, I'm dead smack. <laughs> I was like, what? Why don't you take the take the tea? Just keep going, keep going. Coming up, the president of Israel addressing a joint session of Congress. I was there. You'll get to hear more from me about it. I'm not oblivious to criticism among friends, including some expressed by respected members of this House. I respect criticism, especially from friends, although one does not always have to accept it. But criticism of Israel must not cross the line into negation of the state of Israel's right to exist. That was the Israeli, uh, Israeli president addressing a joint session of Congress today. His remarks coming after a controversial comments about Israel by a progressive Democrat here in Washington. Morgan, yeah. this was a joint session of Congress. You were there today. <laughs> it was the first time I've ever been to a joint session of Congress, um, and it was really impactful. I thought about you, actually, Joanna, uh, today, because uh, most of the applause lines, I would say 95% of the applause lines were bipartisan, were people there. There's so much that gets in the headlines about who didn't show up, who made terrible statements, you know, as it relates to the state of Israel. And I sort of hate that that's the focus, because truly, uh, it's all of our viewers can see from the pictures here today, it was a moment uh, as a Jewish American that I was very proud to see our democracy, to see both political parties standing and supporting the free, independent Jewish state of Israel. I got to tell you, I can be a little bit of a cynic. I've been around this town about 20 years. It was one of the best moments uh, I have witnessed in here in D.C. It was what really al- beautiful. What, what else stood out to you? Well, it really interestingly, the bipartisan uh, clapping and support uh, for the president's statements on Iran, which can sometimes be controversial in foreign policy. The line that he said, President Herzog said, Iran does not strive to attain a nuclear uh, nuclear energy for peaceful purposes. Uh, that is something that obviously I worked on in the last administration. We were very tough on Iran policy. I was encouraged to see so many Democrats actually stand for the president's tough statements on, on the Islamic Republic of Iran. There was, of course, the controversy leading into this. Congresswoman Jayapal saying the following, uh, and let's talk about it afterwards. Oh, no, sorry. Hey guys, can I say something? Can I say something as somebody that's been in the streets and, and has participated in a lot of demonstrations? I think I want you to know that we have been fighting to make it clear that Israel is a racist state. Israel is a racist state, she said. She then tried to walk that back. This was obviously a problem for her, and it's been a problem for Democrats, too, right, Bob? Right. We saw a resolution the House Republicans brought to the floor this week that was overwhelmingly bipartisan. Israel used to be more of a bipartisan issue. They've Obviously, they're not perfect like the United States, but they are an ally against uh, Iran. Uh, they've had some judicial reform controversies. Obviously, they're clashes with the Palestinians. Um, but we're in a different era right now, and certainly those on the left are not afraid, as Jayapal uh, did go after Israel. And I think that's going to continue. But she, you know, it's interesting. She did do that. You're right. But uh, in that resolution, it was 412 to 9. And the resolution said that Israel is not a racist or an apartheid state, uh, Joanna. And so I think that that is a a bipartisan win for the state of Israel. It is a bipartisan win. And look, they're uh, 
incredibly critical ally. It's a democracy, and it is. Uh, if you you know talk to the majority of Democrats and Republicans, they're going to stand with Israel. So you know that's why I remember going there with President Obama, even when we disagreed with some of their leadership choices. <laughs> yeah, Mark, is, is this a camp? Is, is this a no, I, is this I, over the I, head of the president no, in 2004? I, I think the Democrats have a much bigger anti-Semitic problem than we're letting on here in this panel. Like? I think the reality is it wasn't just one Jay Paul. It was Ilhan Omar saying, no way in hell will I go to that joint session. You had eight members who also said the same thing. I, I remember when Mike Pence formed the anti-Semitic caucus with Democrat Congressman Howard Berman. It was a different age 15 years ago. There's a rising anti-Semitic problem in the Democrat caucus, and it's outrageous that Joe Biden hasn't called him out for it. All right. Well, police in Hoover, Alabama, meantime, appear to be questioning the story of a 25-year-old woman who said that she was kidnapped. And in, in a press conference earlier today, they listed phone data and GPS evidence that points to a much different story. Joining us now to discuss is Elizabeth Vargas. Elizabeth, I know you've been following this. Uh, what are the latest developments here? Uh, this news conference this afternoon by the police chief is really extraordinary from Hoover, Alabama. They have dedicated enormous resources uh, searching for this young woman after she disappeared Thursday night and then reappeared Saturday night. Where was she during those 49 hours she was missing? She claimed she was kidnapped. Her family says that she was abducted and fought for her life. But police in this news conference just about two hours ago unveiled a whole bunch of evidence that casts a lot of doubt on this story, including internet searches for movies like Taken, um, all sorts of Google searches, like one-way bus tickets to Nashville, um, as well as how much money can you um, uh, take from a cash register unnoticed, and all sorts of Google searches about Amber Alerts. As you may know, she disappeared after she said she saw a toddler walking by the side of the highway. Um, at night and that she was going to stop and help that child. Uh, it's a story that has been falling apart. It's really, it's been an extraordinary uh, story to just unfold. And boy, this news conference just a, a little short time ago really cast a lot of doubt on what her story yeah. is. Falling apart for sure. All right, Elizabeth, yeah. uh, thank you. And remember, you can watch Elizabeth Vargas reports about eight minutes from now, right here, six o'clock Eastern on News Nation. And we will be right back. Stories that caught our eye coming up after the break. There's a few other headlines that caught our eye going around the table to yeah. the panel. Miss Moscow, I got to say, the, the Biden administration, I know News Nation is covering it, but the Biden administration is paying attention to smart devices. And I actually mm -hmm. wish Congress would take closer attention because we've got smart devices in our home. My son is saying things to smart devices, and we have absolutely no assurance that that stuff isn't all being recorded on a cloud. So they did. They started looking at the cybersecurity and having a labeling system. I want some oversight. I don't want just at, at the executive level. So is hopefully like we see some more. Alexa? Is this what Yeah, is? like the cyber... When, well, it's all our smart devices. When I, when I was, and I wonder about you, when I was reporting the White House correspondent every single day, I told my wife, no Alexa in the house. Because it's, I was like, what happened absolutely. at work today? Oh, that. I, it is. I didn't know. I didn't know. Well, so no it, Alexa in the house. It's that, but it's also your your refrigerator is literally spying on you. Right. <laughs> and, right. and some of them are made in China. <laughs> I'm saying it like Trump now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mark, what you got your eye on? Uh, I guess I never had a chance to be on this part of the panel, so I got two really quick. <laughs> there you One, go. No, you I can't believe country music television has banned Jason Aldean's song. And huh. since Morgan lives in Nashville, she may have more to comment on that. But <laughs> the fact that they've gone politically correct shows they really don't understand their audience. Hmm. And the second is since it's summertime, 
and there's more and more shark attacks. Mm-hmm. What has been missing in this coverage, except it's buried, is the reality that because of environmentalists, we've begun to cut back significantly on our commercial fishing of sharks. And it should be no surprise that there are more sharks. It used to be 10,000 pounds per boat, then it was eight, then it was four, and it reduced it under to 1,500 where people can't make a profit off it. Mm. So there's no more fishing of sharks. So mm. it's no surprise we're having more shark attacks. I am utterly fearful of sharks. <laughs> like, be, oh my gosh, beyond. Allow us, allow us to start fishing for sharks. All right, I'm all for it. Uh, quickly, Chris Sununu, not running for re-election. Popular yeah. governor thought about running for the Senate. He was recruited to run at the Senate, didn't want to run for the Senate. He's taken on Trump on this show. That's why he's not running, because he'd probably get a primary challenge. Well, I think that you read over my shoulder, Bob, because I have <laughs> Sununu right here in my notes. I, was, I anyway. would never cheat. <laughs> never. All right, all right. So another one to stay on the elections then with Bob. Um, there's an article today in Politico that mm-hmm. uh, Rosendale and Mooney, so Rosendale is uh, considering running in Montana. Mooney, am I saying it right? In West Virginia. Alex Mooney. Yeah. Alex Mooney. Um, and reportedly Trump has said that he would not back them, which would hmm. pave the way for the NRSC to have their favored candidates. Why does that matter, Joanna? Because the Republicans think they can take the Senate back. Yeah. My story that caught my eye, I believe, is the lead on thehill.com. I love it. There we go. <laughs> it says, headline, Senate puts NASA on notice over Mars mission. NASA uh, requested $949 billion, basically, for its attempts to go to Mars. The Senate says, no, 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 $300 million because the projects run over and then the costs and all that. So... Uh, maybe not as much money for NASA. Are you required to cite Hill stories? Uh, I am not, but when Bob is, we talk about it. Well, thank you, everybody. We hope that you are having a cocktail, and thank you for watching The Hill on News Nation. We'll be back tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern. Elizabeth Elizabeth Vargas. Starts right now. She Googled the 